This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Thursday, April 6th. The forecast for today, a marked improvement on yesterday. Sunny skies, a little on the breezy side, nothing big and a high of 11 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, severe weather turns into an ice storm for eastern Ontario and Quebec. Number two, food prices are predicted to continue to rise. Number three, yet another arrest in that Wasega Beach kidnapping. Number four, changes are coming for Ontario landlords and renters. And number five, former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney being treated for prostate cancer. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 508 on a Thursday morning that feels an awful lot like a Friday. And uh, looking forward to a nice long weekend. I know for an awful lot of people, whether you're celebrating Passover or Easter, um, this is going to be a grand weekend of getting together with family and all kinds of observances. Last night was the first Seder. I'm guessing tonight is the second Seder. I have to double check. Um, but the, one of the lesser known aspects of trivia that Nick Marana, you can tuck away is that the last supper, which happened, um, purportedly on a Thursday night before Jesus was arrested and, um, um, crucified, uh, was actually a Seder because of course Jesus was Jewish. So, uh, why is this night the most special night of the year? because it's the second Seder. Um, And so, yeah, we have the uh, Holy Weekend. And as part of that, this morning on the show, you'll hear some clips of an interview that we're going to broadcast complete tomorrow. But I had a nice conversation yesterday with the new Archbishop of Toronto. And his name actually, everybody's been kidding us that his name is Frank Leo. But actually, he's going to be known as Francis Leo. And so I had a quick exchange yesterday with Frank Leo, the real estate agent, and I told him about that. And he said, yeah, you know, in Italy, my name would be pronounced Leo, but here we go with Frank Leo, which gives way to the whole, you know, lion thing and his phone number and all that and all the imagery and all that stuff. Um, But it was interesting to meet the archbishop. And it's funny because some people will ask me, why are you so preoccupied with the Catholic Archbishop of Toronto? Because the previous Archbishop and I have had a nice relationship over the years. He got here in 2007. He retired last year. Um, Because if you grow up in a place like Montreal, Quebec City, pretty well any um, city in Quebec, there are three public figures, and there always have been. There's the mayor, the chief of police, and the Archbishop. And so I've always taken a a certain interest in that. Anyway, you will get to know the Archbishop a little better. The complete interview airs tomorrow morning for Good Friday, and we'll have some clips for you today. But listen, there are all kinds of things to consider in the news this morning. And I guess in some respects, we got off easy. I appreciate that for some people, it was a bit of a trial yesterday weather-wise, because the rain just came down, and there were waves of it you know it would let up and the rain would stop briefly and i would rush the dog outside and get in a quick walk but i mean we had heavy rain we had hail in pretty well 
every every area and then migrating toward eastern Ontario they ended up with freezing rain and you know my sister-in-law who lives just west of the island of Montreal ended up being blacked out and that is the case for an awful lot of people across Ontario and so they're struggling to restore electricity to clients I don't know what the hard numbers are right now but it was it was an adventurous day let's just say but I think we're we're getting on top of it uh, speaking of guests who will appear on Moore in the morning today the housing minister is going to join us and this is to talk about some new measures Queen's Park is um, as Robert Benzie reports, Queen's Park is doubling the number of landlord and tenant board adjudicators and imposing new rules for property owners in hopes of preventing more renters from being renovicted. And renovictions involve taking a unit, kicking somebody out, renovating it, and then repricing it such that the person who used to live there can't, can't get back in. And apparently they're going to jimmy the rules such that that practice will become less likely. And, you know, one of the things I find fascinating is there are an awful lot of people who would tell me, oh, you know, Doug Ford and the conservatives, they're so conservative, they're, they're going to, they're, they're the enemy of the people. And policy after policy, after initiative, after legislation seems to establish that this government is just as liberal as the previous government in which case I will congratulate them again on uh, a policy that I would definitely support, which is, first of all, coming up with a means to adjudicate disputes and to speed those up, and also coming up with a means to prevent renovations. I am totally on board. It's 5.13 and 10 degrees, and one of the other stories we're talking about this morning would be that the latest figures and projections for the price of food in Canada is that it is going to continue to increase. And the worst aspect of this is the biggest increases in food prices are forecast to be seen in vegetables, dairy, and meat, which pretty well is the whole nine yards. And so for Canadians who have already, I mean, we talked yesterday about how food bank usage is soaring. To the point where I think that the real standout thing in the report we were talking about yesterday morning about food bank usage was that a third of people going to food banks are full-time employed. So if you're full-time employed and you can't afford to feed your family unless you go to a, a um, food bank, then there is something fundamentally undone about the economy. And listen, we're gonna, I'm gonna press the pause button because we're about to hook up with our friends at CP24 to talk about what Toronto is talking about. One of the stories we'll definitely touch on is a report that came out yesterday. And it's funny, there's, you know, I've known for months that Brian Mulroney was ailing, but I didn't think it was significant to share, but the family decided to share it yesterday. So now we know that Brian Mulroney is battling prostate cancer. But then again, those of you listening right now of a certain age, pretty well every guy ends up battling prostate cancer at some point. All right, let's say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore. 
John, hopefully you didn't get caught out in the weather uh, like I did, having to pick up the kids from school. But a lot of other people are facing uh, much worse situations. Thousands of people without power across Ontario due to freezing rain and high winds from that spring storm. We had some pretty significant weather yesterday, didn't we? People were mm. experiencing heavy downpours, high winds, hail in some places. But as this system migrated toward the east, it became a bigger problem, and we ended up with freezing rain. So that has hit Ottawa. You may have seen that people were uh, paralyzed, basically, on the public transit system, and they had to actually cut through a fence in order to get people off of a train. Mm. Um, moving across the border into Gatineau and toward Montreal, they had freezing rain as well. A whole bunch of people blacked out. So uh, we're getting on top of that situation. But uh, yeah, yesterday was quite the spring storm. All right. And I'm sure this is news that people don't want to be hearing, especially with the recent uh, warning from the CEO of the Daily Bread Food Bank. But food prices are expected to keep going up uh, by five to seven percent this year. Food prices were up by 10.5% this year, and that leads the or laps the general inflation rate, which is much closer to about 5, 5.5. And you're right, a lot of people are going to be somewhat worried to hear that food prices are expected to continue to increase this year. And the average Canadian family is expected to be spending more uh, than $1,000 above what they were previously spending. And I guess the worst news in all of this, Jennifer, mm -hmm. is that the biggest food price increases are going to be in vegetables, dairy, and meat. And, you know, unless you want to become a vegetarian, it's kind of hard to avoid those food categories. Yeah, especially for, uh, for young kids growing up. Uh, and this is something that I'm sure some people will be scratching their heads and not happy to hear as well. Apparently, Ontario workplace inspectors dined in restaurants while billing taxpayers for overtime. This is a Toronto Star exclusive where they're talking about how food inspectors launched something called an investigation into the underground economy. And effectively, the accusation is that they would go to food establishments and bars and they would just sort of entertain themselves for hours and pretend that that was part of their investigation. Monty McNaughton, the minister responsible, not impressed. Mm. He says, if you want to try and claim pay for work you don't do, you will be fired. It's as simple as that. Wow. Okay. We'll see what happens there. And uh, former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney is recovering from prostate cancer. He is. This was revealed by the family yesterday. It's something that uh, a lot of people had heard murmurings about over the last little while, but waited for the family to actually confirm it. He's not doing any interviews, but Brian Mulroney, who is 84 years old, undergoing cancer treatment last fall in Montreal, and he was last actually seen out in the open in public in September, uh, but mm. the family insists he's doing okay. Okay, that is good to hear. And finally, uh, my husband got a taste of this when he, when he went to Beijing. I, I think it was during the Olympics, but I'm seeing them also in Toronto at a few spas. Are robot waiters uh, the future? Some restaurants seem to think so. You're absolutely right. Some restaurants think that a robot to show you to your table may even take an order or at the very least assist human servers by, for example, taking plates off to the kitchen to be cleaned. This appears to be the future in restauranting. Uh, you're absolutely right that in China, this is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, years ago in Hong Kong, I was waited on at a dim sum eatery by a robot. But as one restaurant owner 
points out the robot itself costs about $15,000, but Whoa. a human will cost him $5,000 to $6,000 a month. Oh, my gosh. So even the robots are more uh, valuable. No, that's not true. Humans are definitely more valuable. But, yeah, the price comparison is interesting there. All right, News Talk 1010's John Moore. I know you're off tomorrow, so have a safe and happy long weekend. And we'll talk with you again next week. Take care. Jennifer Shang over at CP24. And, you know, a lot of things are being taken over by technology, and I don't think we need to grieve that necessarily. But I still think that a human server is preferable. I guess one of the reasons for that would be we've got like three locals in our neighborhood that we go to all the time. And eventually you get to know the servers pretty well to the point where you ask about their kids and all kinds of other stuff. And, you know, a robot is just not going to replace that. However, at Humber River Hospital, if I'm remembering the correct name for that facility, um, they have, for example, a robot who will tell you, who <laughs> will tell you where to go. Um, there's a robot in the reception area and you say, listen, I'm here for oncology or I'm here to meet Dr. So-and-so and the robot will interact with you. And there's no downside to that particular interaction. But the idea that some bot on wheels rolling around that you would press the interactive screen in order to order your food, I think most people aren't into that. But it is part, I have to say, of this trend. Uh, I think I was telling you about this recently that I had gone to a hotel in Ottawa and in checking in, they said, well, you know, if you're only staying for two nights, we don't do maid service. I said, really? Okay. Because you used to, and you used to pay for it and that I paid for it and, and you're still charging me the same rate. But that's, that's these days how things seem to work, which is they cut the level of service they give you. They never cut the price they charge you. And then if you get all indignant about it, they get indignant about it as well. But at that particular hotel, when, this is a while back now, but they said, uh, would you like to forgo maid service? We'll plant a tree. No, thanks. I'd like maid service. I'll plant my own tree. So Justin Trudeau has weighed in on Sussex Drive, 24 Sussex Drive, the former official residence of the prime minister and a place he's intimately familiar with because he grew up there, right? He was born into that house. His, prime, his father was the prime minister when Justin was born. I always remember that because I got a transistor radio for Christmas. And I guess that was the beginning of this. But we turned it on and they were reporting that Margaret Trudeau had had a baby. And Justin Trudeau had a brother who was also born on Christmas Day. Uh, but anyway, back to 24 Sussex Drive. And we talked about this yesterday. I didn't even put it on the round table because I'm tired of talking about it. Just knock the whole pile of junk down. But he says he's not going to weigh in on it. He's going to have nothing to do with it. And it's funny because whenever we talk about 24 Sussex, I hear from people saying, oh, spoiled, rotten boy who doesn't want to live in the house or he stole a house from somebody else to go live in. No, the prime minister is given a list of possible houses that he and his family can live in and he chooses which one. There's a national registry of houses that belong to the National Capital Commission. 
And so Justin Trudeau said, it's a dump, not going to live there. I'm not going to have anything to do with this. National Capital Commission can renovate it if they want to. I just don't care. And he moved his family into Rideau Cottage. And for anybody who complains about Justin Trudeau living on the public ticket, know that the leader of the opposition, Pierre Polyevre, who also has never had a real job, lives in possibly the nicest residence because Rideau Hall is kind of a breezy um, pile as well. I mean, it's in pretty good shape, but it's a big old drafty mess. Um, the nicest residence in the National Capital Commission collection would be um, the Stornoway, which is where the leader of the opposition lives and where he has a butler. Oh, and a cook. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.36 on a Thursday morning. I'll tell you, a riff like this takes me right back to the early 1980s and big hair. Who were we talking with, Nick, the other day? Who was, I, I think it was probably uh, uh, Dan Riskin, but uh, we were talking about uh, the new wave invasion. And uh, that was uh, definitely, you know what? I try not to. They, I read a study recently that said basically we lock in our musical tastes by the age of about 27, 28 years old. And then we just continue to cycle through the same stuff. So depending on your age now, it may be why your parents listen to Sinatra or to Elvis and the, or to the Beatles. Uh, I try not to do that, actually. I still totally groove on the 1980s. And actually, I wasn't even a part of the 1970s in terms of pop culture, but I love the 70s channel on satellite. Um, but I also, on the weekend, spend a lot of time, sometimes to my detriment, listening to the current top 40 because I still want to be plugged in. I never want to be one of those people who says, you know, they haven't written a decent song in the last 25 years or they all sound the same. Um, I'm No, I, I won't fall into that category. However, I will forever be captivated by the, the you know, early 1980s. To the point where, as a matter of fact, um, I found out that Crowded House is coming to the whatever beer label it is now, Amphitheater, at Ontario Place, and I'm totally, totally ready to do that. Uh, Joe Cristiano, that was you who told me about that, wasn't it? Yes, but okay. you never answered me on whether you wanted me to pick up the tickets. No. I already got a pair. Oh, you already got a pair? Yeah, bought them on gonna, Saturday. I was going to go buy two pairs. But and... you didn't answer my text. I get a lot of emails. Um, I, I find this perplexing as to the point where, you know, the, uh, Mark Mendelssohn, I don't think could add any insight to this because it's a riddle inside an enigma, uh, wrapped up in a mystery, but Elnaz Hashtimeri, a woman who was kidnapped from her home by three guys dressed up as police officers more than a year ago and remains missing. And sadly, in all likelihood, is probably no longer with us. But the number of people arrested in connection with this and then the infamous frying pan attack is almost getting to the point where it's more than the number of people who are running for mayor of Toronto. Uh, uh, Ontario police arresting another suspect in connection with her kidnapping case. Uh, Dominic Ewan, 35, of Etobicoke, arrested, charged with kidnapping, fraud over $5,000, possession of property obtained by crime over $5,000. Uh, police are still searching for another suspect, but I think we're up to like six or seven people who have been arrested. And the big question is still, normally I call this 
exercise doing the math. You know, you hear about, okay, well, a house caught fire and, uh, you know, there was a mortgage lien against it and the, a couple got divorced. Okay, I think we know what happened here. But in this case, the math just, I don't know what it adds up to. I mean, why was she hit with a frying pan? Why two weeks later was she kidnapped from her home by people dressed as police officers? Why are there so many people involved in this particular situation? And it just, it, I don't know. So, um, talked yesterday, had a nice conversation, first time I've met him, um, the new Archbishop of Toronto, and it is the Holy Week, so we always do a conversation with um, the Archbishop of Toronto for Easter, but it's particularly interesting this time because he is brand new to Toronto. Born and raised in Montreal and only recently promoted and then transferred to Toronto. So, you know, he and I had a bit of a chat about that, the fact that, you know, we have kind of the same life story, although he's 51. Uh, I got here when I was 37, but it's all about uh, having grown up in Montreal and then ending up being offered a job that we couldn't say no to. Uh, but listen, I'll, I'll play more clips a little later on, but I wanted to share this one. Um, I had to ask him about the fact that officially his name is Frank Leo but he's opted to go with Francis, and also he pronounces his name Leo. So the whole real estate tease didn't quite add up. Very much aware of that, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> My real estate is a piece of heaven. That's what we're selling. There you go. <laughs> My real estate is a piece of heaven. Or, as some people have waggishly observed, um, Francis Leo will save your soul for a price and in a timeline agreed upon. And if not, he will buy it himself. So Josh Matlow is running for mayor along with, as I mentioned, a whole bunch of other people. I was just looking up the monitor and I guess our friend Nia Singh registered yesterday to run and he becomes probably the 30th candidate. I think there were 31 people running in the last election, but let's admit it. The last election, John Tory was going to win, and he did. He won with 66% of the vote. The only person who was even considered to be a possible rival was Gil Penalosa, and he got 18% of the vote. And then a person whose name I will not mention, who keeps telling everybody that he was fourth. Uh, I blocked him yesterday. I block almost nobody on Twitter, but he was coming after me about the incident that happened at College Subway Station. He's a former police officer and a guy who aspires to be mayor of Toronto, and he's just a petty, stupid troll. And like I said, I generally don't block people. Um, I like to mute people, actually, because it cracks me up. Because um, I will find out, for example, that a certain uh, former columnist for the Toronto Sun tweets about me all the time. And I'll find out from somebody else, oh yeah, she's doing it again. And I don't care. She's on mute. Um, but I decided to block Blake because he's a jerk and he's an unworthy candidate. And having got 1.6% of the vote in the last election, I'm betting he gets even less this time. Uh, so let's get back to Josh Matlow, who actually uh, phoned me last night. I'm just sitting there watching, you know, the PVR uh, and um, The Voice. 
And Josh Matlow wanted to talk about what happened in, on the TTC, but also his policy on uh, public disorder and violence, because I think he realizes this is going to be an issue that is probably going to decide the election. And it plays very well to the former chief of police and to, for example, Brad Bradford, who announced this week that public order is going to be one of his preoccupations. But here's Josh Matlow at a presser talking about how he plans to address violence. And I believe for far too long, we've been putting too much responsibility on the police to do what trained experts, professionals can be doing to be better positioned to get results, to prevent violence from happening in the first place, to address, to address mental health trauma, to identify individuals who have the potential of violence and de-escalate a situation before it becomes a tragedy in the first place. As your mayor, we're going to create the Community Health and Safety Fund. And we're going to finance that by stabilizing the annual police budget. That budget is $1.16 billion. By stabilizing that budget over the next three years, we will free up $115 million to invest in preventing violence and crime in the first place. And, you know, it's, it's not a bad approach. I'm really tired of the people who seem to think that every single interaction with a homeless person or a person with mental health challenges requires people who are paid ninety dollars to $120,000 a year wearing a gun and carrying a taser. And that is not out of any disrespect for the police. I would prefer that the police occupy themselves with other things. While the guy who is making a scene on the corner or on the TTC is engaged by mental health professionals who in all likelihood make a heck of a lot less than the police. So it's, you know, it's not a bad bargain. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Ah, God bless you, Nick Marano. I love my crowded house. I'm like a jukebox. Just give me, it was like, it used to be a quarter and play music. There you go. I got into this long time ago, but this Twitter exchange with, of all people, Andrew Coyne, who it may surprise some people is pretty big on the pop culture file. And um, we, we agreed that Crowded House is possibly the finest act ever. So... Uh, but that's a parlor game that we can play another day. Interesting story out of Quebec that definitely ends up. This is like Talk Radio Gold ends up on the round table today. The education minister in Quebec has announced that you will not be allowed to have prayer rooms in public schools. And if you want to pray, you will have to do it silently. Some people are actually quite excited about the fact that Quebec is kind of on the vanguard of cracking down on everything related to faith. I just, I've never seen why it is controversial or fractious that some people would like to have a prayer room. And in the case of Muslims, for example, they would like to be able to wash their feet and then pray in a room. I just, I, it's not that big a deal, but it seems to fly up a lot of people's noses. And speaking of, I guess, almost proxy battles in other jurisdictions, reading a story this morning about how they 
broke up a homeless encampment in Vancouver. And they actually went in with garbage trucks and they just started taking people's tents and whatever else and throwing them into the compactors. Uh, there were suitcases, mattresses, furniture, everything crushed in with bags of garbage and other detritus. And as homeless advocates were pointing out, they were going in and breaking up a homeless encampment, but they had nowhere to put them. It wasn't like they said, okay, here's an address and here's a, you know, a voucher and you can go find shelter at such and such a place. But the city also points out that there have been 16 tent fires this year alone. It's the 6th of April, so you know three months and change, and there have been 16 tent fires in Vancouver. Four people have been injured. 1,600 propane tanks seized since an order was issued that you couldn't have a propane tank in a homeless encampment. Uh, one of the things you heard about in the five things you need to know is that the price of food is expected to continue to go up, which must just absolutely make your heart sink. If you are a person who keeps a very tight budget and already you've been squeezing what you've been buying to feed the family, but uh, inflation was about 10.5% on, on average for food in the last year for the average grocery bill. Now, a lot of people made adjustments. A lot of people you know, scaled back on their consumption of meat, for example. So they didn't end up spending that money, but that is, you know, a lifestyle change that they didn't ask for, that they were compelled to swallow. And then, I, you know, in a related story, looking at a, uh, an investigation that was done by a team at the CBC, and they talk about this very, very interesting and, you know, probably for many people, vexatious phenomenon where effectively grocery chains will charge different prices depending on the outlet. And that's not to say that, okay, well, you go to no frills, you expect to, to pay less. No, in the same branded supermarket from one outlet to another, they will charge different prices. It's called price discrimination or the two price system. And the logic for the retailer is you go to the supermarket and you pick up a can of corn and you see that it's, you know, a buck 99. And maybe you know that at another outlet it might have sold for 99 cents, but you're not going to go to the other outlet because you're at this particular one. So, for example, they cite, and this is not a supermarket, this is actually Shoppers Drug Mart, but they talk about a woman from Mississauga who said she would take advantage of a 20% seniors discount at Shoppers Drug Mart. But she found out even after the 20% discount on seniors day, which I'm pretty sure is Tuesdays or is that? No, that's Rexall. Anyway, the drug store price for some Tide Pods that she wanted was $15.99. At a Loblaw owned grocery, it was $10.99. And of course, those, you know, Loblaw and Shoppers Drug Mart owned by the same corporation, the same Weston Corporation. So fascinating, frustrating um, for people trying to keep a budget. And that's the thing, right? I mean, you can say that the market will correct itself and that people will 
figure out how to buy things at the right price. But I don't know an awful lot of people who go to like three different retail outlets for their common needs, groceries and pharmaceuticals and compare the prices and then sort of create a mixed basket of stuff in order to save money. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.